And now, the time fight fans all across the globe have been waiting for. It's the MTMV main card with your man, The Voice. As always, let's start off with some headlines and hot takes. And fight fans, there are so many headlines this week. But with back-to-back Bellator, back-to-back UFC, and the biggest heavyweight fight of the year taking place this weekend, I can't go into all the headlines I want to. I can't talk about Rachel Ostevich being cleared to fight, or Sage Northcutt and Chatri's Twitter love notes that they've been passing. Or Dana saying that Super Sage has been let go. Or the fact that Sexy Yama is going to be in one. Or that Kyoji Horiguchi and Darion the Wolf Caldwell are going to fight for Horiguchi's rising belt on New Year's Day. Or the fact that Floyd Mayweather, that's right, Money Mayweather, has been charged with cryptocurrency fraud by the SEC. Time just won't permit. Now, if you follow MTMV Sports on Twitter, you know that all week I've been teasing of a theme. And in headlines and hot takes, we're going to start things off. The theme is young and up and coming fighters versus people that have been around the block, the seasoned fighters. The thing that really sparked this for me was an article that I saw about the movie Creed 2. It's been getting a lot of acclaim, just about as much acclaim as its predecessor. I haven't seen it yet. Feel free to hit us up on social media, whether that be Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. Let me know, is it a good movie? And I still plan on seeing it, but your man, the voice would like to know. Anyway, that movie has the star, Michael B. Jordan, feeling all kind of different ways about himself. Recently retired boxer and Creed One star, Tony Bellew, said that Jordan's athleticism and skill could make him a successful uh, boxer. But... I think he's feeling himself a little bit too much because he said he wants to fight future Hall of Famer Roy Jones Jr. Has he lost his mind? Are you serious? Come on, man. This is one of the greatest talents of his time in boxing. Yeah, I know he's old, but he just fought last year and knocked somebody out on fight pass. So, even though he's old, he's not that old where he would not school Michael B. Jordan. Matter of fact, I put out something leading up with Floyd Sr. beating up some old loudmouth or some young loudmouth YouTuber, I should say. And then another clip of a 94-year-old man just destroying this amateur yeah uh, MBJ you 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 biting off a little more than you can chew and your mouth is writing a check that you definitely cannot 
cash. Now, this is not official, but there has been a verbal agreement between Israel, the last style bender, Alessandra, and Anderson, the spider, Silver. This should be more of a torch passing, as this really, really is a high profile showcase of the Nigerian who calls New Zealand home, and they'll be fighting in Melbourne, Australia, I believe. Anderson wasn't on board with this, though, when it was first brought to him, which Adesanya confirmed on the MMA Hour this week. Said that Anderson was giving the fight. Anderson was like, no, uh-uh, I'm not fighting. So they then went to Jacare, which that fight would have been phenomenal. That's the fight I really would like to see and most MMA fans would but Jacare just could not make it work in that time frame then something changed and per the spider himself Dana came to LA and told him that if he beats Adesanya he will get a shot at the title now this is Dana speak (laughs) so how much validity is there no one knows but that could be the kind of motivation that would get Anderson to stop clowning around and fight and that could be just the kind of curveball to derail Adesanya's hype train last week there was another passing of the torch on the Golden Boy card as Duran Wynn took a unanimous decision victory over filthy Tom Lawler and it was really a coming out party for Win. he did the best or I should say he got the most positive press out of that specific card by the way that he just manhandled uh, filthy Tom Lawler now there was other press that came out from that card that wasn't so positive and that was for uh, the headlining bout now it wasn't old versus young in that one no it was two fighters who've been around the block a number of times and been dance partners before in Chuck Liddell and Tito Ortiz lots of folks felt real sick after seeing that fight and looks like the California State Athletic Commission felt just as bad as they handed out an in definite suspension to Chuck Liddell hopefully that will be enough to keep the Iceman from coming to the ring or the cage or to any kind of place where somebody can punch him anymore alright as I stated I had to keep the headlines and hot takes short gonna step into the squared circle for the old one two that's coming up next time to go between the ropes and into the ring for the old one two the biggest fight in the heavyweight division this year takes place at Staples Arena outside the matchup with AJ 
this is the biggest fight that can be made for the heavyweight division takes two undefeated fighters two champions facing off the winner will most likely face Joshua and May and they have had some pushing matches and tried to get at each other during the press tour including earlier this week when yeah just all kind of craziness broke out Deontay Wilder push Tyson Fury Tyson Fury was kind of trying to get some space between them wound up ripping the buttons off his shirt taking his shirt off at the press conference I mean it's just been bananas and it'll all be on pay-per-view through showtime and if the Lord says the same and I don't get ill or have any kind of injury your man the voice will be covering the main event round by round live video commentary so as i stated in headlines hot takes make sure that you are following us on twitter instagram and facebook because it will be going down now if you don't know the backstory on this tyson fury surrendered his belts a little while ago uh as he was fighting a different kind of fight and is looking for redemption. He had a much publicized battle with drug addiction and mental illness, which led him to weighing 400 pounds when he returned to boxing. He was literally fighting to stay alive, as his trainer said. Now, he's fighting to test himself. He not only wants to be a champion in the ring, but he wants to be one out the ring by keeping his weight down and practicing a healthy lifestyle. At 27 and 0 with 19 KOs, look for the Gypsy King to use his slick herky-jerky boxing to punch and, and hold, or I should say hit and hold, Deontay Wilder and try his best to gain victory that way like I said this fight has a lot on the line for Fury because he's not just fighting for himself he's fighting for the common man Fury plans to donate his seven figure payday to charity but Fury's not the only one fighting with a purpose. Wilder fights for his family with seven combined children between he and his fiance. It's about creating a better future for his offspring. And he's done so by bombing on every man that he's faced. 40 fights, 39 KOs. The only person to take him the distance he dusted in a rematch so every single man that he has stepped in the ring with has fallen at his feet Wallace also fighting for the opportunity to get to who he really wants to fight which is Anthony Joshua that's the fight that was being rumored for now 
the bronze bomber agreed to do the fight in the UK he was agreeing to the terms but for some reason they weren't able to pull things together I think it's because of the negotiations that AJ's management was in with zone at the time and not really knowing where or how the fight would take place that caused things to fall apart Joshua's not going to be in attendance he said he won't be there he said he's not even watching the fight because of the hour it takes place he says look I'm going to be asleep he could be hurting himself though as getting in the ring with the winner whether it be Fury or Wilder provides hype and material for a future matchup Wilder feels like he's the best and the Tuscaloosa native spoke to the Crimson Tide and shared with them how he feels and how they have to feel in order to be the best because if they don't believe they're the best they won't perform at their best level Wilder also told Nick Saban that boxing's been on the decline in the U.S. because we haven't had a champion to latch on to. And he's got a point. Saban talked about how people would crowd around radios just to hear fights. Not see, but hear fights. And not just radios, car radios. Just to hear Sonny Liston and, and Muhammad Ali go at it. And Wilder is looking to change that narrative. He said that being the champ makes him feel like he's a king. And he's taking on the Gypsy King. Who's going to leave Staples Centers with the crown? Now, while in downtown LA, Tyson Fury really proved the point that Wilder was making regarding the U.S. not having any ties to their champion I watched a video that he put out where he walked around for about 10 minutes or so asking people if they knew who Deontay Wilder was and I stopped at 18 out of 20 people two of them knew who Deontay Wilder was and 18 did not that says a lot but with a major win and then with a major fight against AJ he can help to lift boxing back to the heights that it experienced in the 80s and in the 90s we'll find out because we don't know who's going to leave Staples Center with a crown but we'll find out when the bell sounds because it's going down in the city where dreams are made and destroyed that's not the only boxing match this weekend on Friday on ESPN Plus from Brisbane Australia you have Jeff Horn who's the number 9 welterweight in the world taking on Anthony Mundine that is a 12 round affair of course on Saturday you got the pay-per-view just got done talking all about it Deontay Wilder ranked number two versus number seven Tyson Fury 12 rounds at heavyweight for Wilder's WBC title on that same card you have two 
other fights for championships. Got Jared Hurd, who's the number one ranked junior middleweight in the world, taking on Jason Wellborn for Hurd's IBF and WBA titles. Then you also have Mark Anthony Marisha, who's ranked number 10, taking on Carlos Lisona in a 12-round strawweight affair for a vacant IBF title. But fight fans, that's not the only fight for a title on the line on Saturday. If you're not getting the pay-per-view, then you can tune in to Showtime because not only will they be having the pay-per-view, but they've got a card in Quebec, Adonis Stevenson versus Alexander Govdaiki something of that nature yeah somebody from eastern europe and i just messed that all the way up but they will be fighting 12 rounds at light heavyweight for stevenson's wbc title that is it for the old one too so i'm gonna step out the ring and between the ropes and on the other side we'll talk about the double header for Bellator. Bellator hits us with back-to-back cards this week. And it kicks off with Bellator 210 on Friday, November 30th. Coming to you from the Windstar Casino in Thackerville, Oklahoma. Headlining, Niger Stand Up, that's right. 18-5, and five, Chitty Bang Bang into Kiwani takes on 15-4, and four, John Salter. This will be contested at middleweight, and it's a classic striker versus grapplers match. Chitty comes from a Muay Thai background, and his brother just fought a kickboxing match in one like within the past month or so all five of Salter's Bellator wins have come on the ground he's got one by ground and pound one by triangle and the other three were by rear naked choke Bang Bang beat Hisaki Kato in his last fight but that was about a year ago Salter on the other hand is looking to bounce back from a loss to middleweight title challenger Rafael Lovato Jr. earlier this year. In the co-main event, you've got Dave the Caveman Rickles at 19-5 taking on 10-4 Guillaume Bamba Vacalonos. Yeah, I messed that one up real good. Vacalonos, something of that nature. Bomba is what he's called, and that's what everybody calls him. I didn't even know his last name until I started do- digging in and doing some additional research. Either way it goes, this fight takes place at welterweight, and it's Rickle's second fight at welterweight. First fight didn't go his way versus MVP, who stopped him, but he's giving it another go. Bamba is 3-1 under the Bellator banner, and all of his Bellator wins are by stoppage. Two submissions and one KO. At 2-1, and one, 
Christina the Warhorse Williams will be taking on four and one Bruna Ellen, and this is a flyweight match. The Warhorse was on a fast track to the title shot. I mean, she's only three fights into the game, and in her last fight, had she not lost to the current title challenger, Valerie Letourneau, who was a UFC vet, she probably would have been facing Elimelay McFarlane in Hawaii. Now, she gets one of the Bellator beauties that entered the organization a couple years ago. Ellen, like some of the other Bellator beauties, uh, promptly dropped her first fight, but since then, she's been unbeaten. The Voices Marquee matchup, as well as the Curtain Jerker for this card, pits 19-1, and Juan the Spaniard Archuleta versus 21-4, Jeremy Spooner Spoon. This is a featherweight affair. Archuleta is coming off the biggest win of his career and could become a true contender with a win in a stacked 145-pound division for Bellator. Linking up with the new Super Camp Training Lab, Archuleta will have the backing of UFC Bantamweight champ TJ Dillashaw. Grizzled WEC and UFC vet Cub Swanson, as well as his head trainer, tough alum Joe Daddy Stevenson. Spoon is a native of Oklahoma, so he'll have one of the biggest pops as the crowd will be firmly behind him as he returns to Bellator for the first time in six years. In his stint on the regional circuit, Spooner went 9-2, including a LFA loss in his last outing. Either this will be a redemption fight for Spoon at home, in front of his people, or it'll be a stepping stone in the rise of the Spaniard. We won't know until the pin drops, the cage door locks, the thumbs go up, and they start the clock. The prelims for this card, because you know your man, the voice tries to give you a shout-out, Regarding the prelims, I'm just shouting out the prelims as a whole. Man, you got some crazy fights going on the prelims in Thackerville. You got Daniel Weichel taking on Goto Yamaguchi. The return of Joe Schilling. You got Noah Lahat, Chris Honeycutt, Gerald Harris. I mean, an embarrassment of riches on the undercard. Now, I know that Bellator's got two cards taking place in Hawaii to close out the year next month. And it looks like they probably owe some fights to the roster. So, Thackerville is getting blessed with this card. Because it's so stacked, it could be a 10-pole event. As I stated, that is the fight that takes place on Friday. And then on Saturday, Bellator will be setting up shop in Genoa, Italy for Bellator 211. Headlining it is 20 and 12. Alessio Legionera Sakara taking on 10 and 4. Kent the Hammerhorn Kalpian. That fight will take place at light heavyweight. If Bellator is in Italy, 
Alessio Sakar is fire. His entire stint with the organization has been contested there in his homecoming. I mean, home country. And he's doing well, too. Three and one since he joined the organization. He only lost to then middleweight champion Javier Carvalho. And that was late last year. When Bellator hit Rome and they debuted there, it saw the Legionnaires back in the winner's column with a round one ground and pound finish of Jamie Sloan. That fight was also at 205. And he's looking to start a new streak in this new weight class versus the man from England, the Hammerhorn. Kent last weighed 169 pounds for a welterweight bout at Bellator 200. Lost that one by submission. Now he has fought at 145 pounds in the past, so it's not like he hasn't fought heavier. But to me, this smells like a good old-fashioned squash match that's been set up for Sakara to look good. And with a lack of depth at 205, a win for Legionnaires could get him a title fight in his home country in a second division. The co-main event, you've got debuting kickboxing phenom Hesti Gerges out of the Netherlands taking on Portugal's Domingo Barros who's undefeated and this is a heavyweight bout Barros is or I should say has three knockouts including his last fight but that was about a year ago Hetsy this man has over 70 kickboxing bouts and 50 victories and nearly half of his wins are by KO speaking about KO he's also married to Bellator kickboxing champ Denise Kielholz so Bellator's trying to keep it all in the family on this one also on this card you have undefeated fighter Kiefer Big Daddy Crosby at 4-0 taking on 7-3 Orlando Amstaff D'Ambrosia. This is a welterweight bout. Kiefer has stopped every one of his opponents. Has a fairly balanced game with three knockouts and a triangle. So he's not playing around on the ground with just a rear naked choke or catching somebody in a guillotine. Uh, put the man in a triangle to get that victory. And most of the SBG Ireland products fights have come under the Bama banner. This is his first fight in a major promotion. For uh, Orlando, he's also making his Big Show debut. His last fight was in Cage Warriors this past July. The Voices marquee matchup is the curtain jerker for this card, just as it was for Bellator 210. In this one, you've got undefeated 7-0, Alan Amadovsky taking on 7-1, Ibrahim. Ibra Kumite Mane. This is a middleweight match. Now, Allen, he's coming from Macedonia, and he made his Bellator debut in July, knocking out Will Flurry when Bellator debuted in Rome. All of Amadoski's wins have been by KO, 
and he's looking to keep that streak going versus Monet. Ibra Kumite, oh, he can do it all, and that's proven by his record. He's got two rear naked choke victories, three knockouts, and one decision, as well as a corner stoppage. So even in his seven victories and, and the one defeat that he has in those eight fights, he's found varied ways to get the job done. With the records that these two fighters have and the methods of victory that they have as well, this should be a very exciting fight. And I'm sorry, I said that was the curtain jerker. That wasn't the curtain jerker. The curtain jerker actually is 11 and 4. Luca the Ace Vitali taking on 8 and 3 Pedro Carvalho. That's a lightweight fight. The Ace is unbeaten in his last five fights, reeling off four straight submissions. So look for him to try to get it to the ground early. But with half of his wins by submission, oh, Pedro will be real comfortable if he goes there. The fighter from Portugal steps in on short notice for his SBG Ireland teammate, Luca Jelic. So yeah, this was supposed to be Luca versus Luca, uh, but Jelic cannot fight and in steps Carvalho, and he's looking to make the most of his opportunity. The last time he fought was on Bellator 200, and he picked up a split decision then. This time, Carvalho wants to have a more definitive win in this bout. All right, fight fans. We got one more area of combat sports to touch on. And that is the UFC. So stay with me. We'll be right back with more information on the MTMV Sports main card. Season 28 of The Ultimate Fighter is coming to an end. And the finale takes place at the Pearl at the Palms in Vegas on Friday, November the 30th. Headline by former lightweight champion 28-10, Rafael Dos Anjos, taking on... 13 and 1, Kamaru, the Nigerian nightmare. Usman, that's right. Niger stand up. Got headlining cards for both Bellator and the UFC with Nigerians on the same day. Woo! Man, your man, the boys is happy. Anyway, this is a welterweight fight. And for Usman, a win over the former champ should secure a title fight in his next outing. RDA is looking for redemption after being out-wrestled by Kobe Covington in an interim welterweight bout this past June. This may be the wrong kind of matchup for RDA, as Usman is one of the best wrestlers at 170 pounds. On the other hand, if he hands Kamaru his first UFC loss and only the second loss in his career, RDA could be firmly back in the title picture. As I stated, this is the tough finale 
And on the tough finale, you've got fighters from tough fighting it out for a contract in the UFC. And one of those fights will be 8 and 1 Juan El Wapo Espino versus 10 and 2 Justin the Grizzly Bear Frazier. Grizzly's been in against the likes of Derrick Lewis and Kevin Casey, while Espino has faced people like Vitaly Minikov. Now they're facing off for the tough 28 heavyweight title. At 10 and 3, Invictivet Pani Bazai Kienzai is reinventing herself at 145 pounds. She'll be taking on Fortis MMA's undefeated 2-0 Macy Chiazon. With Cyborg's last contracted fight being at the end of this year, if the UFC keeps the featherweight division, the winner of this may not only be the ultimate fighter, but they may be in line for a title shot. At 16-3, Pedro, the young punisher, Munoz, will be taking on 21-8, Brian Kid Lightning Caraway at 135 pounds. Munoz had his four-fight winning streak halted by a split decision loss to John Dawson in March. He got right back in the saddle, though, with a unanimous decision win over the Welshman Brett Johns in August, and he looks to make it 2-1 in 2018. Caraway, on the other hand, he has been extremely inactive, averaging only about a fight a year since 2015. Much of that time, he was uh, supporting in camp his longtime girlfriend and former champion, Misha Tate. Now that the one exec has moved on from him, he's not as choosy about who he fights like he was back when Misha was on top. And he looks to get back in the win column after being on the wrong side of a split decision on the same card where the young assassin streak was stopped. Next up is a middleweight bout between 9 and 3, Darren the Dentist Stewart, and Dana White Tuesday Night Contender Series alum, Edmund Shabazian. Edmund is making his UFC debut. The fighter with Armenian heritage fights out of Glendale Fight Club being trained by Edmund Tarverdian, whose most notable pupil manages Shabazian, being the Hall of Famer and current WWE wrestler Ronda Rousey. Stewart is a former Cage Warrior standout, and he's looking to make 2018 an outstanding year, putting a capstone on it with his third consecutive win. He was undefeated entering the UFC, and he wants to show everyone that he still belongs with a world leader in MMA. The Voices marquee matchup for this card is also the curtain jerker. You got 8-1-2 Fire Fist, Ji Yong Kim versus undefeated 6-0. 
Antonina the Panther Shevchenko. This fight kind of sort of takes place at 125. I'll explain. The reason that this fight is the voices marquee matchup is, like I said, it kind of takes place at 125. And Antonia is the older sister of flyweight title challenger Valentina Shevchenko. And just like her little sister, Antonina is a kickboxing champ. She won her way into the UFC with a KO of season one of Dana White Tuesday Night Contender Series alum. She did that this summer doing season two, knocking her out with knees and looks to make big waves in the UFC. Kim, she's no stranger to the big show though as she's going into her fourth fight with the UFC. What makes this 125-ish is that Kim came in four and a half pounds over the 126-pound maximum level for a non-title flyweight fight. Antonina, yeah, she came in at 124.5, so she came in below the limit because of the six-pound difference in weight. The commission almost canceled this fight. They did allow it to go on. Um, Kim's going to lose 30% of her purse because of it. I'm not sure what happened, but all of that adds an extra layer of entry and is what makes this the Voices marquee matchup. Now, just like Bellator 210, the undercard for Tough 28 finale is stacked. You got another Dana White Tuesday Night Contender Series alum, Roosevelt Roberts, making his debut versus Daryl Horcher. You got Tim the Dirty Bird Means taking on Ricky Rainey. Boston Salmon is on the undercard. You got Joe Benavidez taking on Alex Perez on the undercard. And Rick Glenn taking on Kevin, the Angel of Death, Aguilar. Crazy undercard. But the UFC is not done. On Saturday, December 1st, UFC will be back in Australia, in Adelaide. And it's fitting that this is the last card of the weekend because it's a nice bookend regarding the young versus old thing that this episode has had. Headline the card, you have 19-5, and five, Junior Sagano Dos Santos taking on the undefeated 10-0 Ty Bam Bam Tuivasa at heavyweight. JDS is a former champ, and though it was an unimpressive fashion, he did beat former WSOF champ Blagoy Ivanov in July. Francis Ngannou, fresh off his KO win in China, is calling Sagano out because they were supposed to fight last year and they couldn't do it. The wily vet has fought for 12 years. That's two years more than Tuivasa has fights. A win, JDS is right back in the mix of challenges for the double champs reign. This is the kind of matchup 
where the old dog may have enough tricks to subdue the up-and-coming hungry pup. For Bam Bam, this could be a passing of the torch. His mentor, Mark Hunt, is on the last fight of his contract with the UFC and is likely leaving the organization. Ty can carry the flag for Oceana for years to come. A win also vindicates Mark Hunt, who was spinning heel kick into one of the few KO losses that he's had by JDS. And it also can move Bam Bam from prospect to contender. All but Ty's last bout with Andre Arlovsky have been by KO. Can he get back on the stoppage train and do a shooey with the crowd? Or will the five rounds versus JDS prove to be too much? Co-main event has 13-13-1 mark the Super Samoan Hunt taking on 7-1 Justin Big Pretty Willis. This is also a heavyweight match. And in this fight again, you have seasoned vet versus the upstart. Mark Hunt has a storied career from prior to the UFC. He has faced the best of the best. And this is marking a tumultuous chapter in his combat career. One that started with him being cut from the UFC and having to go toe-to-toe with the brass just to get a fight once Pride was absorbed. When Pride came in, the UFC was like, yeah, we don't need you. We'll pay you not to fight. But Mark Hunt was like, no, I'm a fighter. I want to fight. And he got to fight. And he was able to make the most of it. And on his way out, he has the same kind of fight going on. This time, it's to ensure that the playing field is as level as possible. Luke Thomas made a good point on the MMA beat Thursday regarding Hunt's position. Just as Mark Hunt was hitting his stride and winning fights, he was beat every time by someone who ultimately tested positive for PEDs. What could he have done if he had been facing clean fighters? We don't know. What we do know, though, is that Big Pretty is the next generation of AKA heavyweights, just like Cain Velasquez and DC. Willis wants to hoist the heavyweight title for his team. With four of his seven victories by knockout, he's got some power in his hands, and as a heavyweight, you expect to see striking like that. But I don't know if you want to get into a slug match with a former K-1 star. If so, yeah, Big Pretty may be looking up at the Pretty Stars. At 25 and 11, Mauricio Shogun Hua will take on 7 and 2 Tyson Pedro. This is a light heavyweight affair. Fight fans, what is the theme of this episode? You got it. Established vet versus rising star. 
the UFC did a good job of putting Oceana's finest at the top of this card with Hunt, Bam Bam, and Pedro. They all trained together, so they had the opportunity to peak at the same time. Will Shogun look the same is the question. And what same will he look like? Will he look like the Shogun that was on an undefeated win streak until he ran up against Anthony Lionheart Smith after a year out and being knocked out? We don't know. Pedro's coming off of a loss too. But his was not nearly as devastating as Shogun's. Will the torch be passed or will Shogun's flame continue to shine? At welterweight, you've got 12 and 4, Anthony Rocco Martin taking on 14 and 3, Jake the Celtic Kid Matthews. Matthews has been unbeaten since moving to welterweight at or in 2017. He's beat people like Bojan Vologovic and Li Xingliang. Rocco is also unbeaten since moving up to welterweight. Combined they have 15 submission victories between them. So should this hit the ground, look for some slick submission attempts and six scrambles. Continuing with the theme of Oceana versus the world because Jake, the Celtic kid, is from Oceana as well. But you got 10 and 2, Paul, the Bear Jew, Craig, taking on the undefeated Aussie 8-0 Jim the Brute Crute. That's a light heavyweight fight and with three knockouts and two submissions, the Brute seems comfortable anywhere. Craig's most iconic win was his last victory, which was a triangle choke with one second left in the last round and the Bear Jew was getting mauled in that fight that victory kept him with the UFC because that was the last fight on his contract so got him a new contract a better contract and this matchup in that performance he showed he's never out of the fight and he'll need that determination if he's going to give Jim his first loss the voices marquee matchup for this fight is the curtain jerker and it pits from Sydney, New South Wales, Australia. By the way, praying for Sydney. They're experiencing some floods right now, so my prayers and thoughts definitely are with them. And one of the people from that area is undefeated. UFC debutant, 8-0, Suman Mokhtarian, taking on another UFC debutant in 7-1, Super Sadiq Yusuf. That's right. Niger stand up. We got another one on this card. This fight takes place at 145 pounds. As with Pedro and Bam Bam, Yusuf also has the advantage of a teammate competing on the card. He trains with Rocco at Team Lloyd Irving. He's a Dana White Tuesday Night Contender Series alum. And like I said, he is making his debut. And he looked phenomenal in the fight to get into the UFC. It's not often on Dana White Tuesday Night Contender Series that someone gets a unanimous decision 
and gets in. But that's just what the young Nigerian did because that fight was phenomenal. He will need to bring the same power and durability that got him the contract into the cage with the undefeated man that's also making his debut, but in much friendlier confines. Moktarian has stopped seven of the eight people he's fought and six of those stoppages have been by submission. So look for this to be a classic striker versus grappler matchup. The shout out for the undercard is going to Ben 10 win and Wilson Hayes. They both are phenomenal fighters. This fight also takes place at flyweight which we don't know whether flyweight is going to be around or not and what's been happening with the flyweight fights is that the winner stays with the UFC and the loser has to look for another organization to ply their trade in alright fight fans that does it for the UFC's lineup this week be given the official in round or I should say uh, in ring announcements coming up and the winner by unanimous decision is you the fight fans thank you so much for listening to the MTMV main car with your man the voice barring serious illness or injury I will provide you with round by round video commentary for the Wilder Fury fight on Saturday December 1st so make sure you're following MTMV Sports on all social platforms our podcast get released first via Anchor if you like what you hear please consider sponsoring us either via Anchor or on Patreon. A little bit goes a long way in helping us continue to bring you high-quality sports content. You can also help us by rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. If you're an Android user, you can do the same thing via Podcast Republic. You can also listen to us on Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Sports fans rejoice my team my voice and until next time it's your man the voice host of the MTMV sports main car and I'm sounding off <laughs> <laughs>